we're excited to be here with another episode of the Midnight Founders Podcast. We're here with jo- Jordan Oborn from Giver Hub. At least you said it right. You get Osborne all the time, don't you? Oh, no. I was speaking more of Giver, but I do get Osborne all the time. Oh, the no, name. Because we get Giver. Giver. Oh, Giver. No, no. Because it's spelled G-Y-V-E-R, right? G-Y-V-R. That's the other mistake people make, too. Oh, got it. Which, frankly, the URL just wasn't available. Okay. So, and, you know, four-letter names are in style. So. Giver, yeah. But Giver, like MacGyver. Where did the, so that's where the name came from? Is kind yeah, of- well, I mean, so we originally were working with a, a bunch of contractors, subcontractors and stuff. And so we were like, well, we'll call the company Giver. Like we were doing home remodels and stuff. We're like, we're your guy for whatever. And then also kind of like MacGyver, we can solve piece together, put together whatever needs to be put together. So the paper clip. Hence the paper See clip. The logo on the hat. Got it. Yeah. I was looking a little bit on LinkedIn click, and I, click, I no. now it makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Got you. No, it's like one of my favorite things in the world when somebody sees the paperclip and is like, oh, like MacGyver. And I'm like, yes. Got <laughs> it. Well, a lot of the people I talk to are too young to even know who MacGyver is now. So it's kind of sad. Makes me feel old. But, <laughs> and I'm not even that old. I remember but. waiting every week for a new MacGyver episode. Same. See? the greatest it's yeah. awesome yeah you duct can, tape and paper clips and who knows what he would who knows get diffuse a bomb blow up a bomb you know you, you know yeah. you never know yeah. so jordan was at the golf tournament in april so i know a little bit about uh the guyver hub but but the listeners might not oh, yeah. um so let's dive into the like you was this your first startup or did you do others before this so uh this is technically my second startup I did run the numbers though a few, this is actually a few years ago, but I have the last time I held like a true job, I think I was like 16, maybe 17. Uh, I've essentially been working one way or another for myself, a form of entrepreneurship or entrepreneurship for almost 12, 14 years now. So good for you. The true entrepreneur. But the funny thing is I never necessarily viewed myself as that. But yeah, I mean, I worked in high school. I worked in like a chocolate shop and that was basically my last hourly job. Oh my gosh. You got to tell me about that. What, where was that? What was that? (laughs) It's a great name. It was called uh, my chocolate affair. (laughs) So, (laughs) okay. It was in in Northern California, a little town called Lincoln. So yeah, there's just a, a, a neighbor of ours that had a chocolate shop and she needed people and Thought I was a hard worker and hired me, and I was like, "Cool." So you Makes mixed it or packaged it or what? What did you um, do? So their signature item was actually chocolate dipped pretzels, caramel covered chocolate dipped pretzels. Oh my gosh! So we would get the caramel ready, dip the pretzels, and I, I got I got to be a really good pretzel dipper. That I could probably amazing. still with it. It's, it's all in the wrist, but <laughs> um, dipped a lot of pretzels oh. and had a lot of fun. And yeah, from that point on, I did a little. Um, I did a little bit of summer sales. I actually, in high school, at the end, after I graduated uh, my senior year, I did a little of security sales. Okay. Um, I think I saw in your profile, too, you did some uh, living scriptures as well. Yeah, so that was after I, I, I did a service mission, then came back and okay. and did uh, living scriptures for okay. two years. So that and was they're done that. No, exactly did you do that? How really? That works. Uh-huh. <laughs> Only for one year for several reasons, but... Yeah, I did alarms. Yep. There we go. So, and then I did pest control for like six. That's so, where I landed for a while too. Yeah, I uh, I did much better 
significantly better in pest control than I did yeah, living scriptures. They, so love living scriptures. Learned a lot. It was a good experience. But. Same. Yeah. Learned a lot, right? Probably like you, but learned yeah. um, that there are different ways to make money that sometimes are a little better. A little bit better at yeah. making money. So, yeah. but yeah. And then I, at the same time, was going and got a manufacturing engineering degree from BYU and a minor in business strategy. And I always knew uh, that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, I guess, in that sense. I, I actually did, I think of it, I did write up a business plan my sophomore year of high school for a company called IAI, Inventions and Innovations. So I wanted to like take people's ideas and actually refine them and bring them to market and then also do, develop our own ideas. It was, it was a pretty cool business model. But um, yeah, after, after graduating, I jumped into and started a company called Backyard Estates uh, with my partner, Adam Stewart. And that was a really interesting experience. That was my first like real experience in starting a business. Technically, there was an iteration of that company just before Backyard Estates called uh, Rent the Basement. I think that's what we call ourselves, where we were actually, we were trying to get people to let us refurbish their basement in BYU, or not BYU, excuse me, just in Utah, turn it into a basement apartment, but instead of them paying us 30, 50,000 for the basement, they would just give us the rights to lease their basement out for like seven years. And then at the, they'd get a little bit of the rent the whole way. And then at the end of it, they'd have a whole completely rented or finished and, you know, with tenants, even basement apartment. Would you then manage them with the tenants and everything? And that was the thing too. So we made money on managing it was the idea. We made money on managing it and then made money on the, on the rents. So, so you're not, you're talking like that was in the past. Did that not Yeah, that was, well? that was in the past. It, what happened was it was too capital intensive to finish out the basement and we couldn't get the money quick enough. So we actually pivoted, which classic lesson of entrepreneurship, being able to pivot. So we pivoted to these uh, backyard ADU units. So separate dwellings. And we also not just pivoted where, cause we were doing that in Utah, but we actually shifted to California because there was, a, there was some legislation in California that opened up and made these backyard ADU units, these mother-in-law, separated mother-in-law dwellings, like in a no-brainer for California. So did that for about a year and a half and then decided I didn't want to live in California. So then came here and started Giver. So is that still going, backyard estates? It is actually. So my I, I still have a good relationship with my, my partner, I guess, uh, Adam, and still on my LinkedIn. Um, but, uh, that's still going along. They, they've made a couple changes in the way that we do things. Um, but it's, it's been good. They have more deals and have a pipeline and are, are growing. So it's coming cool. along. So hopefully, hopefully can say I helped at least try to set that up for some success. And then, so did um, you retain any equity or anything? In yeah, the- I have a little bit of an interest in oh, it. Cool. So I help out a little bit when they need help, but not anything major, even close to a day-to-day role. And you so. were the sales uh, element of that company? That was you? Yeah, I was predominantly the sales um, and actually shifted over a little bit to a hybrid of sales and ops. Like we, there was a lot of permitting that had to happen. It's California. Take Instead of taking like, I mean, you can go here in Lehigh and like get your thing passed off in like a day. And there in California, it's like eight months and back and forth with different branches of the city. And so that was a interesting learning experience. And, um, and then, yeah, the sales side and there's a, there's a lot that was learned there that could have been better, but 
It's good. Sounds, Sounds like it all on. prepared you though for Giver. Yeah. Yeah. So, cause I, I left that and I had worked a lot with, uh, s- some contractors and subcontractors, um, came here and, uh, I ended up getting brought on by a buddy to run, uh, one of his startups called at the time it was called homeworks. So that was the, the original iteration of Giver that became Giver. So it was our home remodel kind of business we did, um, kind of in-house home remodels and had a bunch of subs. It was a little bit of a unique model, but long story short, I worked with a lot of contractors and the pain that we were trying to solve, cause it's all about the pain point, right? Is we recognize that a lot of contractors weren't very good at sales and marketing. Your guy that does flooring is really good at laying the floors, but he's not really good at selling the job. So we were trying to solve that by going in with our sales experience, selling the job, getting it on paper contracted, and then basically reselling that job to the subcontractor because he loves to do the work and is willing to even do the work at, you know, a little bit of a discount if he doesn't have to sell it and manage it and, and find the work. If he's just literally, he knows every day he's going to do the floors, he'll go and do the floors. So, um, or whatever the trade is. And so in doing that though, and in kind of looking at ways to grow, we were trying to figure out how else can we grow this? How else can we help contractors? And, uh, we were sitting down. It was actually, I, I think it was January. It was either January or like end of December of last year or January of this year. And we were just kind of brainstorming. And there were a couple things that we were looking at on the warehouse side, like a buddy and I were, well, who's now also my partner in, in Giver. We were both looking at trying to find a little bit of warehouse space to house a, a Amazon auction, like liquidation auction. And we couldn't find anything small. And so we're like, well, you know, how are we going to solve that? But then kind of separately, we recognize, wow, we got all these subs. How can we help them more? Wait a second. We are familiar with a lot of white collar companies, tech companies, co-working's a thing. We were actually in a co-working space, ironically enough, when we had this conversation. And I just asked the question. I was like, why isn't there a WeWork for contractors? Like for blue collar guys, like a, a, a fractional office space. And it was like, well, there's no warehouse for him. Well, why isn't there a warehouse element to a co-working space? Well, I don't know. Look it up. Couldn't find anything. Ran some numbers. We're like, whoa, this makes a lot of sense. Like you get a warehouse for warehouse prices, turn it into a mix of hybrid office warehouse space, and it can work out really, really well. And so we basically jumped right into it, started looking at buildings in February, um, lined up some investment in March, got the building in April and we've basically been sprinting since. So <laughs> that's an understatement. I think we met the first time in like January or February <laughs> and you came in toward the building and, and we talked about it and you were talking about the idea and then it's just been constant since then. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Is Central bank helping with that or no, no, we, uh, we met, um, just on the personal side, I think, uh, did, didn't did Clinton, no. Oh yeah. It so I met one of your colleagues, gym, right? Chris. Yeah. I met Chris from the gym. I actually think it was like in March or yeah, or April. Cause I yeah, thought I we already remember. had the building when, yeah, when I think I came you were getting ready to sign the lease. Yeah. It was something yeah. like that. Yeah. So you're getting ready to sign the lease, got connected to you and that was awesome. So you're leasing and then kind of subleasing out uh additional fractional space oh, yeah. essentially <laughs> we haven't even said what guyver is yeah so that's what we ended up doing is we 
um, to test the idea that we got the building on a lease, but what Giver is, what it's really become is it is a, a business hub for small business. It doesn't matter if it's tradesmen, e-commerce, whatever. It's essentially affordable fractional office space paired with a warehouse element. Whether you're storing or working on the warehouse floor, whether you're storing items in pallet shelving, and we make it all inclusive. So there's a forklift on site. There's a warehouse manager that can accept deliveries for you so you don't have to pay a liftgate fee. And we can coordinate getting the, the semi there and getting your stuff into your space or into the pallet shelving. Uh, all of, in the similar model of co-working, all the Wi-Fi, utilities, et cetera, are included. So it's just simple, very simplified pricing. Uh, but one of probably the biggest differences in kind of our niche and the way that we're trying to present ourselves is we want it to truly be about small businesses. Like, like really, like we're not, we're not just a co-working space. Like we exist for small businesses to grow. So is there a limit on how much you can be making or something or revenues before you can't qualify to get in or something? No, the difference is rather than just being about renting out the space, like if I just give you a place to work, that doesn't magically make your business grow. I mean like, yeah, like it's important, you know, whatever, like if, uh, contractor Jim is just working out of his truck. It's going to be really hard for him to ever scale. And if he has everything in line, he can get into the space and grow really quickly. But nonetheless, like the space alone will not grow your business, whether there's warehouse or office, it doesn't matter or Wi-Fi. So we're building out as part of Giver, what we call, um, the Giver stack, but really it's just a bunch of partnerships and affiliations and tools to help businesses grow. So like with the base membership, uh, we include a, a basic CRM. So you can actually start to record and manage your customer base. If you want to, you can upgrade it to the point where you have automations, where you have text campaigns, mailing campaigns, et cetera. Um, we have uh, pre-negotiated discounts with a lot of service providers like bookkeeping, legal, uh, website building, branding, um, there's a lot of other networking and stuff that happens on in the space as well. We do a, a monthly barbecue called grill and chill every second Thursday, which you guys should come to Jake's been there. Yep. Um, sounds cool. Yeah. So there, I mean, there's a lot that comes into it, but at the end of the day, it's, it is a inclusive hub for businesses to grow. And that's, that's how we're building it out. What a cool concept. There's a lot of synergies there with what we're doing at Rev Road too. That's kind of cool frankly, when I actually kind of describe what it is, I'll tell people, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of like a co-working space, say we work spaces, kiln, whatever you want to call it. Um, with added warehouse wrapped up in a little of rev road incubator. Like I'll literally say <laughs> rev road. I'll be like, yeah, it's like kiln with warehouse and a little bit of rev road vibes. Like Jordan, we love the shout outs. Thank so, you. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, it's morphed a little bit, um, from when we first talked, cause when we first talked, it was more of just the space, like people that needed a mix of spaces. But I like that you've added these other things. Cause I think we talked about that a few months ago. Like you could really differentiate yourself by offering these other services that these guys really, like truly need. Yeah. And, and the warehousing element, I mean, with construction, the way it is right now, booming, I mean, I'm sure that's, I think from what I understand, to find that warehousing office kind of combo space right now is really hard. It's there's not very much of it, right? Yeah, I mean, especially locally here in Utah, there's like essentially a zero percent vacancy in industrial. I mean, wow, next to almost zero percent. And so you add that, and then not only is there a very low vacancy rate, but anything that pops up and is available, 
like we've talked to real estate agents, we've talked to people looking for space, we've talked to the whole gambit. Like there's nothing that's really available under 5,000 square feet. Like, and if there is, it's snapped up and gone mm. in a matter of days. I mean, it's it, whether it's a lease or a purchase and really nobody's actually even selling that size. It's, they're just leasing it out. Do you see so. that? Do you see that trend continuing as, uh, as we can start to move into the, a little bit of the recession or, or not, or what do you think? I, I do actually, because the, you're going to have people, I think moving away. Like we actually have a, a client that had a, a larger facility um, and they wanted to downsize. They wanted to downsize into a much smaller storage and office. And then we were kind of a good hybrid fit for them because they were trying to reduce their costs. So even though they're, they're now in significantly less square footage, all of their operations are proceeding the exact same as they were before. They have just as many, if not actually more benefits now from the space and they're paying less money. So if there is a downturn, you can almost be a low cost provider and could capture a lot of those uh, businesses that need to downsize. Exactly. Uh, that's awesome. Good, good solution. Love that. So the update, I mean, you talked about it. I mean, we talked about it back in March or whenever that you were leasing this space. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the plan with the building right now? Yeah, so we're actually in the middle of purchasing the building. So we're working on, we, we have the purchase agreement already set up with the landlord. We're in the middle of kind of the final little bit of raise to get the building. And so we should close and officially own our first building before the end of the year. Congrats. That's exciting. So, yeah, I guess. And wow. probably terrifying at the same. Maybe, maybe just a little bit. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize that I, we would literally have gone from ideation to owning the building and having the building more than, I mean, by the end of December, we should be 70, 80, even 90% occupancy of, of our space, if not a hundred percent of our space, space filled within a year. So, all within a year. That's incredible. From even, ide- less, even less than a year. Even right? less than a year, technically, because yeah. it's from ideation to yeah. implementation. And then and then, what's the plan from there, Jordan? Is there just rinse and repeat and do it with more spaces? Yeah, that's that's the plan. We are already looking at a couple different places to expand to, North Salt Lake, Davis County, um, South uh, Utah County. We've actually had a couple partnerships potentially as well. Here in Springville, maybe we'll see. So, yeah, cool. So, I mean, sounds like it's all amazing and everything's just like you know high into the right, which is what you want, right? Yeah. What are the challenges or what what pitfalls have you found? We were like, oh man, I wish we would have known that. Well, that's what I love about what you guys are doing with this podcast and that question because everybody, I don't know, you you probably see this a ton in Rev Road, like. I've learned it in very short order. Like entrepreneurship is so much about like, I mean, frankly pontificating and saying how great things are and (laughs) how sunny it is on your side of the mountain. When like the reality is all the inner workings of your company are on the dark side of the mountain hidden behind where everybody else is. Isn't it Zach that said the backyard's always on fire? Yeah. (laughs) I'm thinking of a word too that we use in Rev Road uh, internally where we we call that puffery sometimes. (laughs) Puffery. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I mean, so don't get me wrong. Like there's a lot of really good things going on at Guyver, but like there have been a ton of challenges and a ton of work. Um, Like cash flow is a huge issue. Like, improving our building and throwing hundreds of thousands of dollars into it. And then some like 
and not starting to collect significant rents for months is, I mean, that's a challenge in and of itself. Go figure. Right. Um, and just, I mean, it's like the, the actual work behind it is crazy. I, I mean, I colloquially or joking, whatever will like talk to is just like friends or whatever. And like, Oh yeah. Like you seem like you're really busy. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm probably working like 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Like, the oh, midnight no founder. Way. Yes. Okay. No, I mean like like I uh, on a weekly basis um there's usually at least two nights a week consistently or more that I'm there until midnight. Like there's been weeks that I've literally in fact 3 weeks ago before our grand opening Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and then Thursday the day of the grand opening afterwards I was in the warehouse leaving at probably one or two, two in the morning, I think. And then getting there at like seven. So yeah. It's that like you give up a 40 hour work week to take an 80 hour work week. That's what they say about for a quarter of the pay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The future's better. Right. And you don't have somebody telling you what you have to do every day. And yeah, yeah there's, there's trade-offs. I still always go back just, you know, internally trying to justify it to myself. Like why in the world am I not like putting my kids down to bed tonight? Like, um, I, I can't even remember how old I was when I heard it. I was probably in high school, honestly, if I remember it right, maybe I was, back and and selling door-to-door because it sounds like a door-to-door thing somebody would tell you but um somebody also said this thing too was like a japanese proverb again don't quote me on it but they said why or work today like no one else will so you can live tomorrow like no one else can so that's kind of my mantra with it like i'm gonna work harder today than literally anyone else i know and it will eventually pay off I love that. So, yeah, That's good mantra. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you're you're in the grind. You're cranking away, right? There are midnights, uh, midnight founder moments all over the place. How? I mean, we often ask, how is your spouse doing with all this? And you mentioned kids. So, I mean, there's that element too. How are you guys balancing all that? Um, basically, my wife is a saint, um, and. Yeah, so uh, my wife, Courtney, and then we have two girls, uh, Millie and Eleanor. Congrats. Um, Millie is uh, almost four. She turns four in December. So young kids. Uh, we've been married for six years now. So we're going on that supposedly dreaded seventh year. I don't know if you guys have heard that before. <laughs> they <laughs> made it right they through. Always, we never even noticed. They always say the seventh year is the one. worst. But yeah. I, I know the first year, but I don't know the seventh. What's the seventh? Uh, apparently the seventh year is supposed to be the hardest. I, oh. I have no idea. I, we heard the thing about the first year too, and our first year was great. So I, anyway, but um, no, I mean, honestly, my wife is just a champ and I frankly couldn't be more grateful for her and her support and making it work when there are those weeks of hundred hour work weeks. And, and I mean, she just, she does it. Um, and I mean, to speak of puffery, don't get me wrong. Like there's there, there have definitely been moments that are not easy and hard conversations and like, it just basically moments where it's just like, this just sucks. And like, we just got to power through it and it will be worth it. So yeah. So what's your motivation for that other side? How do you, where do you find that motivation? Okay. Okay. Let's keep going. Let's keep driving. 
Um, what is it that keeps you going like that? I, I just like, I, I have, I have known a handful of people that just have like ultimate flexibility, like real flexibility. And in terms of flexibility of like, they are not beholden to anyone. They have passive income. They have, they have savings, they have investments, they have whatever they can be very flexible with how they work. And the one, the, the danger that I remind myself of is I can't become that person if I become 100% completely obsessed with work. Like I have to be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel and remind myself like, yes, you know, I want to get to the point that my passive income and my position or whatever, like I have the flexibility to go to my kids games, but not just, I have the flexibility, but like I actually do it, you know, or to their events or to whatever, to be there when they need me to be there. And to go on a vacation to Disney world and not have to worry about it and just be like, Hey, let's go on, on the trip to Disney world or, you know, I mean, whatever, like I don't, it's more in my mind personally, it's maybe a little bit more nebulous. I don't, I'm not like one of those people that's like, yep. I like see myself on this beach, like with this house, with this Lamborghini, with this like amount of money in my bank account. It's more of me. It's like, for me, it's like the ideal. I know what I'm working towards and I know that I can get there. I just have to, keep my priorities straight as much as I can. So freedom of time. It sounds like freedom of time. That's cool. Yeah. I grew up with, my dad was an entrepreneur and you know, I think he probably is still working 60 hour weeks. Uh, but you know, he never missed a baseball game and like he helped coach and he was involved and like he had that flexibility, right? You work 60 hour weeks, but sometimes that means that you're home at three in the afternoon until the kids go to bed at 10 and then you're back at work for a couple hours. But like, I think that that flexibility is a huge draw for a lot of entrepreneurs. Yeah, I I agree. I I agree. Yeah. Well, what's, uh, what's on the horizon? I know you're, you're kind of filling out this, this building. Are you still raising money? I know you did a round. Yeah. So we did the initial round. Um, and then right now we're, we're in another round raising for the the actual official Purchase. purchase. Um, from there, we'll, can you, can you talk numbers at all? Like how much are you trying to raise? Yeah. So, um, the first raise that we did, um, just to get started, uh, was about 700,000. So we our our mentality and mantra this whole time is try and keep it as lean as possible. Like I, I'm not somebody that's going to go and get a two, three, $4 million raise and blow it on fancy office chairs, which is part of the midnight founder instead of instead of somebody else unloading a semi at 11 o'clock at night, I'm in there unloading the <laughs> semi at 11 o'clock at night you or <laughs> welding together a chair or a table or piecing together a TV mount or something. I mean, again, you know, that's, that's what, in my opinion, a, a founder does, but yeah. So, um, so we had the initial raise of about 700 and then for this building, we're looking at acquiring the building for, um, 6.7, and then, uh, depending on the financing method we end up with, we're probably going to go like with an 80, 20 split and then raise the rest and get some additional working capital. Um, and then we're going to immediately jump into raising four and expanding to our next location. And with the goal of having at least three locations, um, three additional locations nailed down, if not functional before the end of next year. Um, wow. So aggressive Four total locations, um, before the end of next year or 
possibly more. It just depends on how our expansion kind of works. Um, but yeah, that's so. cool. The numbers are great though. Like you're cash flowing the, the oh, buildings yeah. really easily. And, and this model that you have set up, um, is awesome. Yeah. I mean, we kind of soft opened in, in like August. Um, and we had a little bit carried over from July, but July and August we had maybe a few thousand in, in revenue. Um, and then we roughly doubled that in September. Uh, we got up to about 10, uh, 12 or so. Um, and then by the beginning of October, uh, we were already well over 30. Um, and then now we're sitting, sitting above that. So nice. Yeah. That's great. So and when was your, when was your grand oh, opening? Our grand opening was like two weeks ago. Wow. So awesome. Wow. Yeah, so. It's just, you're right in the bottom of the curve, but they're headed up the slope right now. That's cool. Does it help to have a, you know, a physical asset like that to where you can leverage a little bit? That was, I think like the big kind of impetus behind the growth was just like, we finally had the building like in a, in a much more kind of appealing shape and more easily shown and easy to sell. The other thing that was a huge shift and was a big learning thing and, and, like if we, when we go to our next locations, we won't, we'll, we'll do it differently. We'll do it this way is like, we were trying to hurry and get the office piece done as soon as possible. So like we were trying to move people in offices in July. That's where some of the income came from. And I was sitting there, it's almost embarrassing, but I was sitting there with 30,000 square feet of warehouse space that was just literally, I mean, it was just costing me money. It's like, why, why the fudge was I sitting with, 30,000 square feet of un, unutilized, essentially warehouse space. And we started pushing the warehouse in kind of like August, really, really frankly, more September. And in between September and August, uh, or excuse me, September and October, we have almost hundred percent filled the the warehouse section. Wow. So it, it's, it, it's funny because you talk about it, like in the very beginning, you knew that that was where the vacancy was. Yeah. And then you just get so caught up in the work that you need to do that. That's the thing that you focus on and you forget that yeah. like, that's what you were. Well, and we made a couple mm. other mistakes too. We were trying to monetize that space by like, we were like, Oh, we'll, we'll host events and raves and right. whatever. And like have a unique event venue. Cause in our minds, we were trying to operate off of a, a much shorter timeline. Jake actually would laugh about this because I told him, I was like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll be done and have people moved in in like June. And, or actually, I think it probably said May, and we moved in in like April 1st, and he's like, dude, you're absolutely crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, I know intimately what they had in store for them, you know, with my experience yeah, with this say, building. Yeah. And so when we met, I was like, not yeah. a chance. You're up in the night. <laughs> but But we still had people moved in renting in, in July and then finished everything up. Well, mostly finished everything up in September. So yeah, now I'm taking lessons yeah. from these guys. I was going <laughs> to say move away quicker. Sounds like you <laughs> nailed your product market fit. And I mean, things are just moving forward. Yeah. So no, it's, it's moving along now. And, and, and there are definitely a lot of things that we have figured out that we will do differently as we continue to expand. So it's, it's good learning. Experience. So for, I know, I know we're short on time, but for the, um, for the round that you're raising right now, you're actively seeking investment. So mm -hmm. if people are interested in investing in kind of a quasi real estate company, uh, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, just uh, shoot me an email at Jordan, uh, J-O-R-D-A-N, at Giver, G-Y-V-R, four letters only, 
www.ghostbusters.co.co. Um, feel free to shoot me an email. Um, I mean, heck, honestly, people can text me too. I don't, I don't even care. You can text me 801-382-7155. So we make ourselves super available. It's probably a stereotypical founder startup thing. So that's cool. And then if you have a real, if you have a, like a construction company or an e-commerce company and you need space, uh, do they reach out to you as well? Yeah. You can reach out to me directly. Same founder thing. So awesome. wear a lot of different hats. That's Chief cool. everything officer. You're on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Um, we're on Facebook, Instagram. Don't have a TikTok yet one day. Um, soon. Soon. Yeah. So your, your last piece of advice, Jordan, as we're wrapping up here is, is what for our, for founders? Yeah. I, uh, it's, there's always a way like one way or another, there's always a way. And it's it, whether it takes a ton of work or some creative thinking, like there's always a way like cool. to just figure it out. And paired with that is like, just do it. Like, I mean, to copy Shia LaBeouf, I mean, just do it, man. Like, <laughs> I, I mean like that, that's really what it came down to with Guyver. Like, I mean, and frankly, this is the other reason I, that I think partners are important too. Sorry. I'm kind of like saying three things I know, but like if it hadn't been for, for my partner, Matt, so Taylor Seipert and Matt Cohen if it hadn't been for Matt. We probably never would have done this. He like, we were talking about this. We're talking about, it. I'm like, Oh, let me run some numbers, like do some projections. Cause I was like a business strategy guy. So I'm like, you know, running all the numbers and he's like, let's just go look at buildings. Let's just do it. Like, and he calls up a real estate agent and we go and look at buildings. Like, I mean, like just, just do it. Like, like if you don't ever do something, then you're never going to do anything. So we should have Matt on the podcast. He's a serial entrepreneur too. Yeah, yeah Matt is a serial. He would great. he would he would be a great. That sounds great. great. For this, but yeah, no, just just do it. There's always a way, and yeah, co-founders. So. Well, Jordan, thanks for being with us here at Midnight Founders Podcast. It's been fun to get to know you and learn what you're doing, and wish you the best. Yeah, thanks for having. Excited me. to see what Guyver does over the next couple of years. Yeah, me too. So. Heck yeah, take care. <laughs>